Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for coming to this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and I am, without a doubt, 100% your number one Queer Cripple, thank you for listening to this program, for clicking on this, for downloading it on your app, for rolling over at 8.30am on a Friday to see the new episode and being like, yes, awesome, a new episode. Thank you so much. I am blown away by how close we are to 100 episodes of this program that I didn't think would last more than... Really, by about 65, I was like, oh, all right, what else do I talk about? But we've actually almost secured 100 episodes. We are two away, and I have no clue what I'm doing for our 100th episode kind of milestone. But if you have ideas for that, or you want to send in ideas, or a Minnesota, or stories, or guest options, or things I should do, uh, you can email disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, and I'd love to hear what you think I should do for episode 100. And I just got back from Halifax Pride, where I was a speaker there for one of their evening speaker series. It was really fucking awesome to be invited out to the eastern part of Canada, where I've never been before, and I've never really gotten to see that part of Canada and I, I fell in love with it immediately and I was so honored to speak. It was amazing and there's going to be a whole episode about that because I had a great time and I want to talk about the accessibility of getting there, what, the, what it was like to, to work with them and what it was like to actually give my lecture and if any other prides want to hire me to speak, I would love to, to do that. If any schools want to hire me to speak, we're almost at back to school time. If any um, organizations want to hire me around September, October, I'd love to go out there and speak for you, so hit me up at andrewgerza.com. I think I've done enough shameless self-promotion for this episode, for sure, uh, and I want to dive right in, so let's get to today's episode. So as you all know, so often when we talk about sex and disability generally, we tend to focus in on the differences or the difficulties that may come along with that. It's really... It so often focuses on the abnormalities or the, the, the challenges of sexuality and disability. And as I've said many times on this podcast, and as we know, if, if you listeners identify as disabled, we know that sex and disability can be amazing, right? Like, that's, that's just a given. We understand that, right? Well, if you didn't know, it can be the most amazing sex you're not yet having. Um, but as, as somebody who does this work and as a sex educator and podcaster around sexuality and disability. Even myself, I have noticed that when I build an episode of this show around sexuality and disability, I try to look for the hook 
the big, meaty, juicy hook. Some sort of issue that I want to tackle around. Accessible sex, sexual ableism of some kind. I always feel it's important to bring you a funny or important story around sexuality and disability for this show. And I've always thought that from the beginning. Um, And over a year and a half ago, when I was starting the show, I was trying to model the show after news-like, serial-esque type podcasts. And I really wanted to make a point and to be taken so, so seriously in what I did. And I wanted people to see that I really had a a breadth of knowledge in this show and that I was really serious about it and that it was an important thing for me. And so if you listen back to the old episodes of the show, like the first two or three, it's really, really serious, really, really trying to be produced. But as the show's gone on, I've tried to relax a little bit because I realized that my desire for like super overly polished production was actually my internalized ableism coming out of wanting to do something that people would take seriously. I hope that I've relaxed a little bit since doing that. Um, there were so many points putting together the first few episodes where I didn't want to share specifics of my stories or of my sex because I was worried about what listeners and what people might think or how an audience might respond to the stories that I put out there. But of course, now that we've gotten all crippy and comfortable with one another, so much so that y'all have written 21 Minnesota episodes for me, holy wow, keep those coming. P.S. I got an amazing one the other day, which I'm going to put into the Minnesota machine soon and do for, for, for a Minnesota. It was a nice, long, thick, juicy email Please send those along. I love getting them so much. Uh, so now that we're super comfortable with, with one another, I wanted to do a really simple, fun, sexy episode about just some awesome sex I had the other day as a disabled queer person. There's no hook. There's no shock and awe story to this. There's no like. There's no lesson at the end about ableism or any of that kind of stuff. It's just a really simple story about some sex I had and I wanted to share because it was, I had a really good time having the sex and I felt like my audience should hear about it. Now, I made sure not to mention any any particulars of the partner that I was with because I want to respect their privacy. I speak about it from my experience only and what it meant for me. Uh, And so, like, really, there's nothing new in this episode. You've heard some of the themes of it before. I may repeat some stuff you heard previously, but I really think it's a fun story to to share with you. When it happened the other day, and it meant a lot to me in terms of my sexual growth and development, so I wanted to bring it out. I wanted to share it. And also, just before I get to the actual story part, I think it's important to tell stories, to just tell, having a disabled person tell their, their sex stories on a podcast like this, because it removes the shock and awe from it, and it removes the, like, oh my goodness, we're going to talk about the taboo of sex and disability. This story is simply going to tell a story of a disabled person who had sex and how good it made them feel, and I think those stories are really important too, and that's part of why I wanted to do this and why I wanted to share this particular story, because it was just some really good sex, and I think because this is a sex and disability podcast, it doesn't always have to be episodes about something 
you know, big or controversial. It can just be a light, fun episode about good sex with disability. So I entitled this episode, I have it in my notes as, what did I I call it? The Good Hot Gimpy Sex Episode. Um, And I'm going to... I'm going to now tell you about some good, hot, gimpy sex I had. So turn on your earbuds, get your attendant to take off all your clothes, get under your covers, and get ready to hear a freshly squeezed, sexy story from your number one queer cripple. So to be honest with you, over the last couple weeks, I haven't had too much sex at all. I've been busy getting ready for events. I've been, you know, flying to talks and things like that and planning uh, planning lectures and doing some lectures and doing, you know, guesting on podcasts and, of course, producing this gem of a program. I'm also planning a remodel of my website and some new graphic things around number one queer cripple that I'm getting ready for all that stuff, too. So been busy kind of building this brand up a little bit. Uh, So sex really hasn't been a big, big priority for a while. Of course, ask me whether or not I want to get off at 3 a.m. and my priorities will totally change, but it hasn't been at the front of my mind, at least not right now. So the other day, a sex buddy of mine and I had a planned session with each other And we hadn't really seen each other in about six weeks. He got busy, I got busy, I got a summer cold, which are absolutely the worst. He got a cold, it was just, it was not a good time for us to hang out. So we hadn't seen each other in about six weeks, which was, which is a really long time for me to not, to not uh, engage with this, this buddy really at all. And so I was really, really pleased with myself because... I've been working on some personal growth goals in the last little while to try to not be overly Klingosaurus cripple. You remember from episode 60-something, I talk about being a Klingosaurus cripple. Also, hey, if this is your first time listening to the show, my name's Andrew Gerza, and I like making bad disability alliteration puns. Welcome! So, it took all of my power to reach this point where... I was comfortable with myself, where I wasn't being too clingy, and I wasn't texting this guy all the time and waiting for a text every minute from this guy, Um, nor was I worrying that when he didn't text me back, he must be some ableist asshole, because that's another fear that that I have a lot, is when somebody doesn't text me back right away, or within 30 seconds, I think, oh my god, they don't like me because they didn't text me. That must mean they're an ableist asshole. They hate disabled people. No, no, Andrew, they're probably just busy. Calm the fuck down. But surprisingly, that didn't happen this time, and I was feeling really good about that. I was feeling really proud of myself that I could just relax, and I was so comfortable enough with this relationship with this person that I could just be... It didn't, it wasn't something that I had to check in on every day. It was there and it was okay. And that's, that felt really good. Um, And so the whole day before he came over, I had butterflies. I couldn't stop smiling and I was so excited. I was definitely like a giddy schoolgirl excited about seeing him and 
spending time together. I was definitely not the like typical like oh I can get dick whenever, no big deal. That was certainly not me. I was all about this happening and I was feeling the excitement around the the event and feeling the excitement around the event felt really, really good and really, really comfortable to be excited. Uh, usually the butterflies that I do have around sex are full of ableist fears and misgivings. And most of my butterflies are like, oh my God, he's going to be an ableist and something horrible is going to happen that I'm going to have to deal with afterwards. And how do I manage all this? But this was genuinely me feeling, I was feeling myself as a queer cripple. And that felt really kind of weird for a second and also really nice at the same time. I didn't quite know how to manage those feelings because it felt good. And usually, even when I'm excited about sex, I don't allow myself to feel good. I'm not allowed to enjoy sex and disability at all. It has to serve some bigger purpose around education, around uh, my work, around that kind of stuff. I can't just simply enjoy sex for what it is and have fun with it. And that's kind of why, again, why I wanted to do this kind of episode because I wanted to just talk about it for what it was and experience that what it was without any kind of like with nothing behind it, just just to tell the story for what it was. Um, and I think that's important on its own. But I, I don't usually allow myself to get excited because ableism tells me that I'm not allowed to enjoy it. I can't enjoy it. I can have it, but I certainly... I better not fucking enjoy this sex. No way. So he texted me about midday on the day of our meeting, our hangout, without prompting, without me prompting him to do so. And again, that felt really kind of awesome to know that somebody was thinking of our time together too and, and kind of letting me know that, that it was on their mind. That's always nice because I often don't think that lovers or people think about me because, again, ableism tells me all these things in my brain. Uh, so I was, I was just really happy that he was into it too. And so... I either don't get excited or I get a, I get really excited for the both of us. So this was a nice... I was feeling a nice little middle ground about it, which which I wasn't overly excited. I wasn't not excited. I was just like, oh yeah, this is happening. It'll be, it'll be nice. Which felt really good to get to that place for me as a disabled guy to be even keel about something. So then we figured out some timing around logistics and stuff like that. And we had set it up and it was for sure to go. And then my attendant came by to help me prepare. And to be honest, I couldn't stop smiling through this part either. I knew that the attendant knew why they were there to help me. And as I said before, having them know that they're there to help me get ready to for me to suck some dick makes it all the more exciting because I'm like, yeah, look at that attendant. I am going to blow this person and you're going to help me get ready. So thanks for that. It, it just feels really, there's a power in being able to say to your staff member, like, hey, help me with this, please. It's it's part of the anticipation of the event for me as a disabled person having sex. And it just felt really nice to 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 have a staff member understand that sex is part of my life and sex is part of my routine in a way. And they can help me, they can really help me feel confident to have sex by making sure that I'm clean and prepped and ready. So that was, that part of the whole ritual was nice too. 
So he texted me that he was on his way, and I went down to the front of my building, outside of my building, to wait for him. To be honest, I love doing this. I love going downstairs and waiting for, for a uh, waiting for a friend or a partner to go wait for them. I feel like it's first of all, it's kind hosting to go like properly wait somebody and bring them into your home. Also, because I I know why I'm going down there to wait, and I'm waiting for somebody who's gonna come up to my apartment and, and eventually get naked with me. There's a real tinge of like excitement when you go down the elevator and you're going to go meet somebody or you're going to go wait for somebody. There's a nervousness of like those butterflies are back and it felt really cool to go down and wait for him. And then like when I go down there, people are walking around. It, the day's just happening and I'm pacing back and forth like with my sling on all ready to go. And I'm just, I look like I'm, I look like I'm flagging disability because I have my bright blue sling on. So I look like I'm cruising from the 1970s. And for sure, I feel like a leather daddy from the 70s at heart. And I'm definitely flagging GIMP. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark. But first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Heather Morrison. I'm Andrew's sister, and we're teaming up to create the first line of sex toys for people with disabilities. One of the many reasons I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. Woo! And we're back. I want to thank Come As You Are for being an awesome sponsor, and I want to thank all of you for submitting your uh, listener ads. If you listen to the show and you want to create an ad for me about what Disability After Dark means for you or why you listen to the show, you can email it to, of course, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Also, as we are, as we are primarily uh, independently produced, minus our awesome sponsorship with Come As You Are, I'm also looking for a new sponsorship for the show. If if a sex toy company or even just a company wants to promote a show like this that's doing this kind of work around sexuality and disability and, and maybe have an ad on my show, if you know of anybody, I'm looking at you, HelloFresh, and like other companies, Casper, other companies who want to get into the disability game, um... Hit me up with an email at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and I would love to connect with you. Maybe even Audible? I don't know how to do that. Does anybody know how to get big sponsors? This is me putting out a weird call out for sponsors. Hey, I can also send out my press kit about the show. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking for more sponsors. So if you want to you wanna get involved with that or sponsor the show in some way, if, if anybody listening works at a sex shop or works at a, at a company that wants to... to promote disability content, email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and we'll talk. But now, back to the show. So I'm pacing around outside my building waiting for him with my with my bright blue sling on outside and I'm all excited and I'm definitely flagging 
I'm flagging queer cripple for sure. If there's a if there's ever a hanky code for queer disabled dudes, I have it. I have it on lock. It's bright blue mesh sling material for sure. Uh, so he shows up and he walks around the side of my building, and he comes up to me and I said, "Hey, hey, what's up?" Like casually cool. Hey, what's up? Because I didn't want to seem too invested, but inside I was like, "Woo!" But I, I wanted to remain relaxed and cool and calm. So I was like, hey, what's up? And he kissed me a little bit to say hello. Now, he does this each and every time we meet. And it's never overstated or overly passionate when we're outside saying hello. But it's a small peck. And it's something, there's something really sweet about that when we're out in public together. And when we're like with the world doing stuff. And again, this is not like a long-term relationship that is like, super serious but I beam with pride every single time that happens and every time it does I look around wherever we are I look around at the people that are around us and I'm like look look I am with this guy who is totally attractive it makes me so happy when people catch that small exchange between us because it reaffirms that this is really happening for me and that this is like a real thing that I, as a disabled person, I'm currently experiencing. So whenever he kisses me, like in when he when he when he shows up at my at my front of the building or we're out somewhere and he gives me a little peck, it's just it feels really really good. So when this guy and I hang out, we usually go for coffee after we have sex, and this time we decided to go before. He actually suggested that we go before, and in text. And I love being a sub a lot. So when he was like, let's go for coffee first, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't question it. I was like, all right, that's what he said to do. I'm going to do that. So we went for coffee first. We usually go after. And similarly to the kissing on the sidewalk when we say hello, as we were going down the street heading, heading to the coffee shop, I was so excited to have him next to me. There's something really... Um, there's something about hanging out with somebody just before you fuck them that is totally foreplay. And I don't mean foreplay, but it's just like the pre, the preamble to sex. It's such a turn on. It's so much fun. I'm sure I've said this before, but I love it so much. And you know what? I'll be super honest with you. Going around with a sexy, able-bodied guy who I'm going to sleep with entirely feeds my internalized ableist script. I know that. I know, I know, I know. But sometimes it just feels so good to be like going around with a non-disabled guy being like, look at the trophy that I bagged, everyone. Look at me. I, I, I'm I, with a real person. Like It's so ridiculous and I know it's ableist, but for a moment it feels super good. So we sat down for coffee and I ordered a chocolate date bar because... I'm clearly 85, and I eat, I eat a lot of, like, I eat a lot of, like, figs and date bars at these shops, which solidifies that I'm an 85-year-old man, uh, but it's fine, and so it was so nice to just sit with him there and to have us sit together at a coffee shop and joking and laughing and playing with each other, making cute, ridiculously dumb disability jokes. It felt really nice to let my guard down a little bit, because I never do. When I'm with hookups, my guard's always up at like a thousand and five percent. It felt nice to let it down to like ninety, 
991% instead of like a thousand. It was still up there, but I dropped it a little bit. Um, and you know, so much more than sex, these kinds of experiences as a disabled man are really important and they don't often happen for me. So having these little moments of like nothingness occur, they just mean so much more when they're, when they're, when they do happen. And reaching that level of comfort is hard for me sometimes because I'm an anxious, I'm an anxious queer cripple. And so to get there with this person or anyone really feels like a milestone all on its own. So he helped me eat the date bar. He like picked it up and started like putting little bits of it in my mouth, which is super helpful because if you've if anyone who's listening has ever spent time with somebody with spastic CP where they're trying to eat something that is really, like, crumbly, pretty much the minute uh, somebody with spastic CP touches a food item that crumbles, it's going to fall on you if you don't go spastic and fling it across the room. Because sometimes when I'm dealing with crumbly food, this is a weird sidebar, but when I'm dealing with crumbly food... I get scared that I'm going to drop the, the food. So this guy's actually really lucky that I didn't fling the date bar in his in his face out of fear that I would drop it. Because it, sometimes when you're afraid you're going to drop something, you have a spasm, and then you actually end up dropping the thing. At least that's my way that CP manifests for me. Um, so he helped me eat the date bar, and he picked up the little bits that I was going to probably fling at him, and he put them in my, my mouth, and he fed it to me. And just this act felt intimate, not sexual in any way, but just extremely comfortable, more comfortable than I've felt with anybody in a really long time. I make jokes all the time about intimacy of a date or someone helping you eat food and how it will be super sexy, but this totally was sexy in a completely non-sexual way, and I can't really describe how it felt, but it just felt good to know that this person understood what those needs were and was willing to attempt to accommodate them by 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 feeding me these crumbs and it was so soft and gentle and it was so much a foreshadow of what was to come yes pun definitely intended well sort of intended i'm not sure we'll we'll, i'm not sure we'll talk about what's to come later in the story or not come i'm not sure yet so we left the coffee place and we headed back to my house and this whole time I was like being pithy and I was being witty and we were joking back and forth and, and making some really ridiculous disability jokes and it was just really, really fun. It was really, uh, we were laughing and it was, it was, it was a good time and I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, and as we got into the elevator up to my place, there were like families with us in the, in the, in the elevator and... Again, I was all giddy because I was like, none of these people know that this disabled guy and this guy are going to go back to my place and get naked right now. And that's really awesome. There's something really cool about, remember how back in episode 69, I talk about why planning for sex is way better? Um, well, I had afternoon sex this uh, in this encounter. And it I, I love like fucking 4.30 p.m. sex is... The bee's knees. I fucking love early afternoon or like mid-afternoon. I guess 4.30 is late afternoon, but it was 4.30. So like 
mid to late afternoon sex versus like having to have sex in the evening. This was, I don't know, it just felt really nice to have sex kind of when the sun was still out. But anyway, these people in the in the elevator with us knowing that it was like afternoon time and the disabled guy was going with his hot friend to go back to his place to fuck felt, it just was hot. I felt really, really sexy, like leaving that elevator being like, yeah, look at me, I'm going to go get some, deal with it, deal with it. room and we make some small talk for like two seconds he gets a drink and then he helps me get into my sling and my hoist or my lift as they call it um and again these moments are typically not usually sexy as i mentioned as i've mentioned before they are often predicated on care and needing care but this time was different and with him with this particular lover, every time it is a little bit different, and it it he puts each strap of my sling on the hoist with such a careful perfection and precision that it was really I've never been turned on by being strapped in my hoist ever, but this was like this had me going for sure. Um, he instinctually put a pillow down where my knees go so that my contractures because I have 90 degree contractures in my knees so he put a pillow down so they wouldn't hurt as we played with each other and this is like queer, queer cripple fucking 101 because as we know my go to move is dead turtle position so this move to put a pillow down was really awesome um, someone needs to graphic designer friends you need to make me a t-shirt that says that is like dead turtle position is, is like a hot sexy dead turtle cartoon can somebody figure that out please because i really need one really do so he put me down on the bed in the sling uh then he was like oh i gotta pee i'll pee so um he went to go pee and this is important because this time i didn't lock the door behind me and he was able to get in after helping me pee i don't know if you remember the story that i told where I locked the guy out of my room in my university days. This did not happen here. It was very important to know that I had my phone with me and the door was wide open so he could actually come in the room. Um, And I didn't lock him out and security didn't have to come and save us this time. So as this lover was peeing, I was in my bed smiling, fully, fully excited. and, And well, I was erect. I had a boner. And given all the stuff that's happened with my penis... Lately, with my disability related to catheters, etc., seeing that my penis has a giant erection is always kind of awesome for me. That being said, I understand the penis, the penile privilege I have there. If you are somebody with a penis who, as a result of disability, can't independently get an erection, I want to tell you that your penis is still perfect. So he came back after his pee. We had a quick conversation about which lube to use and where the lube was. He went to go get it. And then he came back and he he slowly and like really sensually pulled down my pants. My awesome, my awesome sweatpants, which is what I wear all the time because it's super easy to access my junk that way. And he um, lightly stroked my cock. There's something so intoxicating as a disabled ma- as a disabled person when somebody wants to touch your junk because they want to and they do that it feels really really essential when you're when your junk is being touched because somebody wants to 
Um, so that was super awesome. Then he crawled up next to me in my tiny, tiny single bed. Note, all disabled people need to automatically be, be afforded the cost of a queen-size bed, if not solely for fucking purposes, because I swear to you, my tiny little single bed that goes up and down, there is no room for us to fuck. So, Casper and other, like, bed companies, please donate a bed to me so I can do this podcast with space, so when I fuck my lovers, I can talk about it with and actually have space to properly do that. Please do that. Our, you know, our crippy bodies require movement, and these tiny beds don't allow for that. I want to be able to, like, spread eagle with the partner, and a single bed just can't, so every disabled person who wants to fuck should seriously be afforded by the government or some program a bigger bed. Can there be, like, a cripples fuck bed donation program or something set up? Can we, can we figure that out, please? Anyone? Anyone? And then, I don't know, he just kissed me, and it was my favorite kind of kiss. It was hard and rough, and he has a bit of a beard, so it was really kind of rough, but in that sexy, rough sort of way. Uh, But it was also really gentle, and like, it was like the kind of kiss you get when you haven't seen somebody for a while, where where you're like reconfiguring your mouth with their mouth, and it was kind of awesome. Um... And I had been kissed by some truly unfortunate kissers in the weeks past this. So kissing this particular partner again was pretty fucking stellar. I was pretty stoked by that. And as I've said in previous episodes, kissing is my favorite fucking thing to do. I love that moment just before you kiss someone where they look right into you, into your kind of like your sex soul, and they go right in. And this is my absolute favorite moment, and I'll be into it every single time. I'm there for the hot, hot makeouts. So then he, like, kissed my neck and licked my ears, which I love. I fucking love my ears being licked and my neck being kissed. I'm, I'm all about the hickeys. So if any future lovers want to give me a hickey, again, it's a sign for me as a disabled person that, like, I did a thing and it's a weird rite of passage thing and it helps, like, calm my ableism around how I, how how... You know, I don't get to have normal rites of passage as a sexy person. So I love fucking hickeys, so please leave me one. He didn't hear, but but leave me hickeys, please, lovers, please, please. Um, at one point, he put his beautiful hairy chest, one of my other favorite body parts. I love chest hair. It's my favorite thing. He put it in my face, and I kissed his nipples, and I licked his nipples a little bit. He also put his armpits in my face, and as a man who's into men... Armpits are a super erotic, like, queer male thing that's really, really sexy and, like, makes, it just makes me turn on super lots. Also, when guys put their body parts in my face, like their armpits or their cocks or their assholes, as a disabled person, it's extremely accessible to do that because I don't have to move around a lot and I just have to lift up my head a little bit and there it is and I can totally access their body and access their pleasure center there. So that's, I mean, super, that's just awesome. And then at one point during the play, he turned around and he kind of stood up and perked his beautiful round hairy hole in my face, which I fucking loved. It was my favorite part of the sex. I'm all about the, the, the ass eating. 
I love this part so much. Um, I remember when I first started engaging in ass-eating or analingus with guys, and I very quickly realized just how brilliantly accessible this position is for me. I mean, really, you just pop your bum in my face, I'm in dead turtle, and you just pop a squat on my face, and I get the opportunity to go to town. I've talked about my inability to thrust on this show before, and while I can't thrust my cock, I've learned through analingus how to thrust my tongue really well, and this is truly my favorite position to be in with a partner because I get to discover each and every time how much power I actually have in fucking with my tongue. And when I give a good rim job, I love when my partner moans, and I love hearing that moan because, again, it it tells me that I've given pleasure, and that's an important uh, that's an important sound for me because I'm always worried that I'm not giving enough pleasure. And he he moaned for me, so that was super hot. And I was so down for it. Uh, and and you know, there is something about a hot hairy muscle butt that's just everything for me. I love it so much queer men who like men am i right am i right or anybody who's really into men hairy man butt is kind of hot it really i mean you have to be in a certain mood for it to eat some man butt but it's i really like it it's a delicacy for me a delicacy it's a disability delicacy and then he sat on my cock and rode me a while um, and I always love when a guy is bouncing on my cock, especially as a disabled person to see this happening, to like watch somebody bouncing on your dick is really awesome. Seeing my lover insert my cock inside of themselves and have that moment of pleasure on their face where insertion is happening is just priceless because again, it again tells me that I can give somebody pleasure and it breaks down the, the falsehood that I am not able to provide you pleasure and, and proves that I can and that's knowing that I'm giving someone pleasure that way is the look on their face knowing that my crippled cock did that is just fucking it's the best look ever uh, and so as we were doing that he grabbed my hand my gimpy claw hand the one that really the one that doesn't turn properly and looks a little bit weird and he grabbed it in this moment of pure, unadulterated pleasure. Like, no matter what my ableist brain told me, he for sure wanted this too. And then he called me a good boy. He was like, oh yeah, good boy. And this definitely and most certainly fed my subby tendencies. I, I'm a big, big sub. And it also fed my internalized ableism and it calmed that right down. Because as disabled people, everywhere we look, we're bombarded in all the ways that were wrong or problematic. And as I've shown throughout doing this program and this podcast, this can happen in the bedroom too. These ideas that we're wrong and we're not okay. And sexual ableism happens almost at every turn. Um, so what we never ever hear is that we're doing something good. And it's sexy as fuck when somebody you're really into or you're getting down with moans that to you during sex. Whether you're disabled or not, having someone tell you that you're, you're being a good little slut or you're being a good boy or you're being a good puppy or you're being a good gimp during sex is 
fucking it's like so hot and this in this case was really got me going for sure another thing he said that had me kind of like melting with awesomeness was he said uh at one point he was like i just want to lay here with you and hold you and i gotta say this felt awesome even if it was just in my own head this thought it felt good to think for a minute that i the one who needs help with almost everything and then some could have the capacity to make someone feel genuinely safe and comforted usually i feel comforted by them which i think is another weird form of internalized ableism but if i can make somebody feel comfortable and and relaxed and, and safe even for a moment I mean, that felt super good. It felt really, really good. Um, and when it happened to me during this encounter, I also had no clue how to process it because it never happens. To be someone's source of peace, if only for just a minute or two, felt... Well, it felt good, but it also felt strange. I remember lying there with him, with, like underneath him, as he's on top of me, and I remember wanting to say something, like, but I wasn't really able to say anything. I kind of just sat there in silence with him. Um, and he was on top of me, and this was one instance where we're sitting there in silence after he said it. And I didn't immediately rush to fill it with phraseology that was expected in, in that situation. Like, I didn't go with, like, oh, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, 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 mm, fuck yeah. I just kind of sat there in the silence with him there and it felt really good because I was grappling with how good it felt plus like the internalized ableism of knowing that somebody felt comforted by me and not knowing how to like respond to that because it never happened all these feelings were happening all at once um and usually when there's silence or too much silence in the bedroom I feel like I've done wrong and I I, I feel the need to, to to start talking, I didn't hear, I didn't. So then he wrote me a little bit more, and neither of us came, and, and we finished our hangout. And when it was all over, he got me dressed and, and rolled me over and put me back in the sling, and then he realized that at one point the sling has had a rip in it, and he was like, oh no, this is not safe for you, I want you to be safe when we do this, like, should I learn the other sling? It would, that was really comfortable. Um, he made sure that everything was the way it had been before. He ensured that I was left the way that I was found, safe, comfortable, and now with a big shit-eating grin on my face. So we finished up, and I rolled out of my room with him, and we went downstairs together for me to say goodbye because I'm a classy fucking crippled lady, and I made sure to properly say goodbye. Um, he kissed me goodbye at the door and he said he'd see me later and we parted ways and as we parted ways I watched him go away for a minute and I went mmm like it was just so hot I hope he didn't hear me but I did go mmm because I was like damn I like looked at my wheelchair and I turned away all like, all proud of myself and usually after somebody leaves I have a tendency to let the ableism monster control the po the post coital cripple but i went back to my room my apartment and i smiled 
And I went on with the day and I felt really fulfilled. And it was a really, really fun, simple, easy, nice experience that wasn't full of crazy ableism. And, um, oh, didn't mean to say crazy there. It wasn't full of ableism. And that felt, again, that's a new feeling for me. And I just wanted to share that story because it was sex I really enjoyed. And like I said at the top, we never hear... Stories of where disabled people just enjoy their sex, and this was one of them. So, that's the episode. Uh, it's just a, was a really simple one. Wanted to share a good experience I had. Hope that you got turned on by a little bit. Hope that it gave you pause, something to think about. I'm glad we could revisit some old themes through this episode. Uh... Wanted to, I'm going to do some more episodes like this where I just tell stories of good sex I have because I think it's critically important and uh, I hope you enjoyed. So we'll be back next week for episode 99. Holy fuck. 99. Wow. Um, send in for the Minnesotes. Send in your ideas. Send in uh, ads to all to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Udiucci. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.